Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. Where does the summer go? Uh, Larry Johnson joins us now. Before we start with Larry, a reminder, we're just about at 191,000 subscriptions. You have my deepest and my most profound gratitude for that. Our goal is 200,000 by next Monday which is Labor Day, like, subscribe, tell a friend, particularly if you like Larry Johnson. <laughs> uh, Larry, you uh, thank you for joining us. You have a great article uh, entitled Why Are Retired American Generals So Consistently Wrong? And I want to talk to you about it. But before we do, let's just talk uh, a little theory and a little history. I know that you know uh, the history. Uh, Vladimir uh, Putin uh, has been threatened by NATO George H.W. Bush and Jim Baker told um, President Putin's uh, predecessor, uh, President Gorbachev, NATO will never move one inch uh, eastward. It has moved 800 miles uh, eastward. Uh, the last time the United States of America felt threatened the way Vladimir Putin uh, did, it was the Cuban Missile Crisis uh, of 1962 and JFK illegally intercepted uh, ships on the high seas and then eventually worked out uh, a deal using his brother, Robert, as the intermediary right. uh, with Khrushchev, which resulted in us removing missiles from Cuba or from Turkey uh, and Italy uh, in return for the removal of the missiles from Cuba. The missiles from Cuba, as far as we know, have not returned, but our missiles have returned to Italy and to Turkey. Take it from there. What do you expect Putin to do? How do you expect Putin to feel? How would uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump or any, I'm trying to think of two very different presidents, react well, uh, if, they, if, the, if the Mexicans entered into a treaty with the Chinese and the Chinese put uh, missiles in Guadalajara aimed at Dallas? Yeah, I, I had a discussion with one of my old uh, high school buddies last night. And I was really sort of surprised to, to learn how, how much the propaganda has colored uh, his view, and I suspect the view of many other Americans. For example, when I pointed out to him that Putin and Russia made two different attempts to try to join NATO, he goes, oh, that's not true. Well, it is true. Uh, initially, uh, Boris Yeltsin, right after the collapse of the Soviet Union, talked to uh, George H.W. Bush administration about, hey, can we can we become part of NATO? And then 
Putin directly raised it with the former uh, head of NATO. And in both cases, it was rebuffed. Why? Well, if you bring Russia into NATO, then you no longer have an enemy that can justify an $800 billion defense budget. So up against this, Putin was watching the United States put Aegis missile systems now in Romania and Poland, which are capable of carrying nuclear-tipped warheads. Uh, he watched from 2014 on of every year the United States, through the European Command based in Stuttgart, Germany, with NATO, which is headquartered in Brussels, they would conduct annual military exercises with Ukraine, including deploying U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine. So if you're Russia watching this, you know, as you correctly noted, you can just imagine the kind of panic that would ensue in America if we saw Russia carrying out military exercises in Mexico, conducting joint amphibious landings in Mexico, simulating a landing on the Texas shore. Oh, my God, we would we would say this was crossy. This is a line too far. Yet we can turn around to do the same thing to Russia and we say, oh, they're supposed to take it. What? How dare they attack Ukraine when we're creating a very direct threat to Russia in, in Ukraine? So Ronald Reagan, who, of course, is beloved by most uh, conservative Americans and even by a few libertarians, was uh, was was duped into the neocon uh, attitude that uh, Russia is the evil empire, that infamous yeah. phrase he used. He probably said the Soviet Union, because in, in that era it was the old Soviet Union. Uh, and his idea was, we'll spend so much money on defense, uh, we'll bankrupt the Soviet Union, because they'll try and keep up with us, and they can't. It's almost as if the reverse is the case now. Vladimir Putin yeah. has the best army in the world. Uh, we spend so much more than he does. We spend more than Russia, China, and the next 10 countries combined uh, on right. uh, on defense. It's almost as if Putin, by sitting back, protecting his borders, not giving in, steadfastly maintaining a consistent uh, ideology, is making the United States waste hundreds of billions. Look at the $113 billion in Ukraine. Gone. Not a nickel yeah. will come back. Oh, the, the Goldman Sachs will probably rebuild the cities at some point, but nothing's going to come back directly to the American taxpayer. Well, think of it this way. We have given, in the last 18 months, we've given more money to Ukraine that exceeds the amount that Russia spends on its own national defense budget. <laughs> so, you know, basically, if, if we would have funded Russia's national defense budget, we would have saved money compared to what we've done in Ukraine. And but, but the problem is there's no results. The results are not uh, turning out success. The, and this gets back to all of these generals, these retired generals, re are reflecting what's being said by active duty generals, guys who used to be their subordinates, where they're saying the Russian military is brittle. The Russian military is poorly led. The Russian military has lousy morale. The Russian mil military is poorly supplied. They don't have enough weapons. And it goes, and, it, and it's all wrong. It's all wrong. And it's, it's, it's wrong on a staggering level. So, you know, when you make the mistake of diminishing and belittling your opponent, and in the process you underestimate their capability, you're setting yourself up for, for a big problem. It's like 
Judge, if I came to you and I said, hey, Judge, there's this guy, Mike Tyson. You can kick him to one side of the ring or another. I'm going to put you in the ring with him. You're going to kill him. Well, when you got in the ring with him, you'd be angry with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But, but, but what is unique about this, our, our friend um, Matthew Ho put his finger on it, and you, you've said something similar to this. This is the most propagandized war in the modern yeah. era where the whole mainstream media is in lockstep with the neocons and with the government arguing that uh president putin is wrong president Zelensky uh is a hero and Zelensky and the and the ukrainian military with our help can win this war if we just uh keep up the help yeah no, i've uh, never seen i've never seen anything like it uh, in terms of the the unified voice. You know, I, I wrote a piece the other day about my experience becoming a pundit back in 1994 with the capture of Carlos the Jackal. And my early days on CNN, I was on Crossfire probably 14, 15 times, even with Tucker Carlson back when he was a youngster. And back then, you could have two people with opposing views who were not screaming at each other, who could sit down and have a rational discussion. We had actual debates. And there would be pros and cons. But what we've seen over the last, particularly over the last three to four years, is alternative voices to what is considered government policy are squelched. They're not allowed on television, and they've tried to shut them down on the Internet, as we've seen with the censorship that's taken place in the past on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google. Yes. Well, YouTube took our dear friend uh, Scott Ritter down, one of the most articulate and knowledgeable uh, military analysts in the world. Right. No reason uh, stated he believes he was taken down because of a documentary that he did. Uh, on Vladimir Zelensky, in which he referred to him as a criminal, an argument that you could make, an argument that the American CIA has quietly made when Bill Burns, the director of the CIA, went over there and said, um, you know, it's $40 million we can't account for. Maybe it was $400 million. I don't know. We can't account for it. But here's the people in your administration that have been stealing. You'll recognize a name there. It's at the top of the list. It's your name, Mr. President. Now, wasn't there when the conversation was had, but this is the way... It was reported. It's well known in the intelligence community uh, that money uh, is being uh, stolen. And still we keep sending it and still they refuse to install inspectors general to confirm how it's being spent. Well, one theory, and this was articulated um, by Phil Giraldi just about an hour ago, is that the neocons really want another endless war. Mm hmm. Well, I was going to say, I don't think it's fair to call Vladimir Zelensky a criminal. I mean, just the fact that they reported he bought a new estate in Egypt today, I like to think of him as an international real estate mogul. I think that's a more fair approach. <laughs> I didn't know he bought an estate in uh, Egypt today. I wonder yeah, where well, they, that, that's been reported from. in the news, it, right along with uh, his place in Miami Beach and a place in Switzerland. You know, yeah, you, you don't get that kind of money through just being a frugal saver, okay? Uh, he's, not, he's not known for his uh, economic price controls. So yeah, that, that, those are the signs of something crooked is afoot. And uh, Colonel, uh, I think you're exactly right about what, you know, what Phil said. 
they hope to string this war out. The, the meme in the West is, oh, this is a stalemate. It's not a stalemate. A stalemate is when you got two people basically of equal strength who have fought each other to, neither is, has enough strength to lift another fist against the other. That is not the case with Russia and Ukraine. Russia has growing strength. Ukraine has diminishing strength. And even with the support of the West, Ukraine's not going to be able to hold up. Colonel uh, McGregor uh, reports that a um, Ukrainian website, a charitable website, uh, was holding some sort of a fundraiser for the military dead, and they inadvertently reported uh, 400,000 Ukrainian military dead, and then the government made them take uh, that number down. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think 400,000 is about right, or do you think it's, it's a low-ball number? No, I, I think it's about right. It's probably a little higher than that. And others in the West are, you know, coming into that, uh, you know, agreeing with that decision. BBC News today just put out an article. It was titled, Dying by the Dozens Every Day, Ukraine Loses Climb. Well, it's losing more than climb. It's losing lots of men. And What is the um, word Ukraine is losing? Uh, it's, it loses, loses climb, C-L-I-M-B. It's an odd British expression. But... Uh, the, what it reports is in the past, uh, the BBC was always saying, oh, the Ukraine's only lost like 15,000 dead. Now they've, they've, they've gone up five times that amount, uh, claiming. And, it, and it's, so that's a sign already that the West is starting to come to realize Ukraine has lost this. There's no way they can recover. And so they're starting to let the truth filter out more and more each day. And it's, Again, it's just a simple math problem. The fact that Russia fires seven to eight times the number of artillery shells that Ukraine does means they're going to suffer seven to eight times the number of casualties, all things being equal. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You um, have uh, argued that even the, even the shells that the Ukrainians are firing uh, are deficient. The 155 millimeter cluster munitions are there because the West no longer has the more effective standard 155 millimeter shells. So it's the same Correct. diameter, but they're using the less effective ones because the West, the US and NATO doesn't have the more effective ones remaining or it's keeping them for our own uses. Yeah, th think of it like firing a shotgun shell. So if you've, if you've ever shot a shotgun with birdshot, it's got all these little BBs and they come out. And the right. longer the distance goes, it spreads out and it's not as effective in killing. Well, 
with with these cluster munitions spread out along the front yes they can they can maim some people they can wound some people but it's not going to be a very effective killer in contrast to a shell that comes in and either you can concentrate on one area and blow that up so you know it's just it's a difference in firepower it's not it's not the most effective for going against entrenched positions do you think that uh, General Petraeus, General Hodges, uh, General Milley, Milley still on active duty for a few more days, are actually ignorant of Ukrainian casualties, or they're overlooking them for some uh, political or financial to themselves purpose? Uh, I, th I think it boils down to the fact that they got to the positions they did within the military, those upper ranks, not because they were good critical thinkers. Not that they were original thinkers. They were not. not. Not that they were good writers. They had staffs work for them. And staffs come in and say, here, General, here's option A, here's option B, here's option C. And a lot of times those options would be, uh, you know, specifically written in a way that you knew which one you had to choose. Well, now they don't have those staffs. And, and, but what they're getting is from the Pentagon what option A is. Option A is Ukraine's winning. So that's what they're repeating. The, the lack of original critical thinking on these folks is just, it's, it's shocking to see it, but it, it reflects what is one of the big problems with the U.S. military. You can't imagine a junior officer standing up and saying, sir, with respect to uh, Ukraine, Russia has a very effective army, and Russia does not have supply problems, and Russia has ample supply of ammunition. That staff officer would be gone by tomorrow. They don't mm. want to hear that. They don't want a troublemaker. They don't want somebody that's rocking the boat. And these guys have all benefited from that in their careers. They didn't rock the boat. They learned how to brown nose and kiss up. And, you know, they, they reap the rewards. Once you, once you get those stars, you get to go out as a consultant and rake in some cash from the military-industrial complex. So let's move from the Pentagon to the White House. What is Joe Biden's best option to drag this out for another uh, 14 or 15 months to, to drag it out be past Election Day and to have something happen in October, an October surprise that makes him look like a like a gifted military genius? Well, I think that's their hope, but I think reality is going to intrude in a number of ways. One, um, Ukraine, they've lost this counteroffensive. It will become quite clear within another three to four weeks. They have no more no more military strength to throw into the breach. Uh, then they're going to be t facing the task of, well, where are we going to find some more soldiers? You know, they start off as a 40 million uh, person country. They're down to 27 million and shrinking. And a lot of the military age guys have already fled the country. So that's why they're dragooning people that are 50 years of age and my age to come back in. They just, they just had a 71 year old show up in Germany uh, two days ago to be trained on a tank as a tank wow. crew. You know, well, well now, <laughs> so, now I'm going to I have to run this clip of General Petraeus, not to raise your blood pressure, but because he's claiming the opposite. And I'd like you to, uh, in your unique way, uh, unpack what the generals, a former general. The said. big question in my mind, I think, is whether or when the Russians might begin to crack and crumble. They've been in the line for over a year in many cases. Yes, they have actually established very impressive defensive belts, but 
they don't have the same motivation that Ukrainian soldiers do, who can look over their shoulder and see what it is that they're fighting for. Their very independence, their survival, their citizens. That's not the case for the Russians, many of whom have been conscripted, not volunteers, clearly. The question is, when might that moment arrive? And it's very hard to answer, having been in a number of battles where the enemy all of a sudden cracked. But you couldn't predict that until that moment actually happened. So the Russian army is filled with conscripts. The Ukrainian army is not. The uh, Russian yeah. army has morale problems. The Ukrainian army doesn't. The Russian army is going to crack and be crippled. Where does this nonsense come from other than between his ears? Well, it's, it's, it's psychological projection. They, they project onto the Russians the very thing that is happening in Ukraine. And, and, and therefore... With, without realizing it. You know, what's really, Petraeus's ignorance on this is not surprising. Because remember, this this was the guy who was known as the, the kind of cadet at West Point who had married the superintendent's daughter to get ahead. And that's exactly what he did. He ended up marrying the superintendent's daughter. So he says, oh, well, the Russians don't have anything to fight for. Oh, really? The Russians still remember World War II. They remember the loss of 27 million of their citizens at the hands of Nazis. They look to the West and they see the United States and the United Kingdom backing neo-Nazis. They see guys wearing swastikas. They see Ukrainian tanks with German images of, of, the, of the kinds of crosses that were on the Wehrmacht vehicles during World War II. Mm. Everyone in Russia lost someone in that war. And to think that Russia's not motivated by that, it's just, again, it reflects on the stupidity of Petraeus and his shallowness. One more, uh, General Ben Hodges, this is almost as ludicrous, uh, uh, Larry, uh, suggesting that there is a legitimate bona fide military path to uh, Ukraine expelling the Russians from Crimea. <clears throat> I believe that the operational priority is to cause the Russian forces to leave Crimea. That, I think, is the most important thing that has to be done. In order to do that, Ukraine needs more long-range capabilities that could hit all the airfields, the seaport of Sevastopol, for example. But that also means they've got to get closer to the land bridge. So more progress that would enable them to bring up more HIMARS, for example, that could reach the road between Mariupol and Melitopol in Crimea to stop the logistics movement there. I mean, yeah. this sounds like Victoria yeah. Newland uh, uh, grafted it, and he, he's been on this, um, General Hodges, whom I don't know, I don't know if you know him, he's been on this, we can get Crimea, we can get Crimea rant uh, for a couple of months now. I can't imagine anybody in the Pentagon, much less an American intel, your former colleagues taking that seriously, can you? Well, yeah, I'd like to sit Hodges down and say, okay, Ben, for starters, please explain to me how, Rus how Russia air defenses are gonna be taken out since they've already been proven to be very effective in defeating the HIMARS. Unless, except one of those times where Ukraine's firing HIMARS at purely civilian areas, because the Russians are not defending purely civilian areas because they assumed, I think incorrectly, that the Ukrainian forces would have a little more respect for not just uh, deliberately killing civilians. So, you know, he's wrong on that. He, he minimizes 
the importance of Crimea to the Russians, not just from Sevastopol, where the, where the Black, Black Sea fleet is based. I mean, for Russia, this is a critical uh, existential threat. And they have demonstrated in the past, they don't let critical existential threats go easily. And frankly, even if all of NATO came in right now, they wouldn't be able to take it. So it's just, you know, it, it's, again, frightening to think that at one point, Hodges was in charge of the European command. Uh, this this testosterone-deprived guy is, uh, you know, com combined with, with you know, the, uh, the mentality of a juvenile. Not, not at all sophisticated, not at all thoughtful. One last uh, clip from uh, Patrick Lancaster, the uh, very courageous, very intellectually honest, um, independent video journalist who we interviewed earlier today on uh, Ukraine shelling parts of Ukraine and killing children. This morning, I actually went to a location in the Kubashevsky district where day before yesterday, there were three children injured when Ukraine hit a market with artillery. And these two of the children were actually physically injured with shrapnel and the other child took a concussion from the shockwave of the blast. And all three of them were taken to the hospital. And hopefully so, tomorrow I'm gonna go make a report on how they're doing in the hospital. So what I clarified with him is what the audience already knows now. So let me get this straight, Patrick. Ukraine is lobbing shells at Ukrainians in eastern Ukraine, and it doesn't care if it hits children. Answer, yes. Yeah. Well, in fact, they killed, they did, uh, they just killed another child today with another strike on a civilian area. Look, it would be one thing if the Donbass and Luhansk militias and Russian troops were taking refuge in hospitals, in schools, in normal civilian areas in order to create human shields in hopes that Ukrainians wouldn't hit them. But they're not doing that. The ones who have been doing that are actually the Ukrainians. They have been taking over schools and hospitals and churches and using those and then daring the Russians to hit them. And yet in the course since the Maidan in February of 2014, Ukraine has been involved with consistent military actions directed solely against civilians throughout the Donbass, throughout in both Luhansk and Donetsk. And you know, at least, and, and now the numbers are in excess of 15,000 have been killed as a result of that. And then that's, these are not people, these are children. These are, the, uh, you know, young adults. These are not people carrying weapons. These are not people enabling military operations. And yet, without regard to the human life, uh, the, Ukrainian, uh, the Ukrainian government has been killing them. Paid for by the American taxpayer. Yes. Larry, thank you. Always a pleasure, my friend. We'll see you at the uh, roundtable on uh, Friday afternoon. Okay. Um, really appreciate your time uh, today. Thank you for listening. We've had a busy day. We'll put a lot of content up on the board uh, for you uh, today on judging freedom. Uh, we hope you'll share it with your friends. We're up to 191,000 subscribers. Our goal is 200,000 by Labor Day, which is a week from yesterday. We try to tell the truth. We try to show you a side of the world 
which mainstream media, including my former employer of 24 years, is not interested in showing you. And in terms of my personal goal here, it's to look out for your liberty.